a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Utah Puck Report. I'm your host, Jay Stevens, alongside... Co-host... Gary Michaels, I guess. Co-host. Well, you know you're Gary Michaels. Oh, that's right. You know that part. G. Hizzle. G. Hizzle. The G man in the house. How come come your girl doesn't say G. Hizzle on your Uh, Toyota? I couldn't think that fast. Okay. All right. Maybe Uh, next one. Special guest today, a longtime friend of mine, and uh, a guy that knows, uh, he knows I'm a diva. (laughs) <laughs> he's had to deal. He, I'm not the most neurotic goalie he's dealt with, I'm sure. But the equipment manager for the Idaho Steelheads, Chris the Beast Bastel. Chris, how are you? Good. Hey, how's it going, guys? Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's thanks great. for being here. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. I mean, uh, you know, some of our Utah Grizzly fans are going to wonder why I've got the Idaho <laughs> Steelheads guy on here because now Idaho and Utah we used to be affiliated, and now we're bitter rivals. To the point where last year we even had a fight carry into the locker room. Yeah. So, but <laughs> that's like beer league. It is like beer league. Kind of. It was out of control. The guy that went into the locker room wasn't even dressed. He was. Oh, <laughs> what? So yeah, we'll get into that right. later. Because uh, Chris, I'm sure you've got a million crazy stories, and that's that's <laughs> why you're on. Is you've always been such a great dude, and uh, I'm, I'm just sure you got a lot to, to tell us. So let's just get started with how you got into hockey in general. Well, I grew up playing hockey with Dennis Holland. Um, his brother is Kenny Holland. And um, I always told him I wanted to be an equipment manager one day. And he, uh, he ended up being a coach. For, well, he played in the American League for quite a few years. And then he ended up being a coach in Toledo. And uh, he called me up one day. I was working at a paper plant in Portland. And he said, hey, you know, if you want to start this, uh, job's yours. So I left the uh, paper plant in Portland, Oregon, and drove all the way out to Toledo, Ohio, and uh, started this career. With zero experience? Uh, well, I was working at the pro shop on and off in oh, Portland. Okay. Um, I played hockey, then I worked at the pro shop. But the problem with uh, that was is all of our rinks cl- ended up closing down, and the only rink that we had left was pretty much set aside for Tanya Harding at the time because she was a uh, – Oh, you know, Olympic skater, and then <laughs> she ended up getting a lot of ice time. And, you know, where where the hockey just I don't know, it just kind of dwindled down to nothing. Wow! And I just remember when I was just getting out of hockey, you know, playing. I just remember that the ice. Every time I seen something, it was always Tanya Harding. You know, skating here, there, and I just like, ah, I'm done. <laughs> so then I, you know, I started working at the paper plant, and then I started playing roller hockey with Dennis, and then I, that's kind of how we just got the whole ball rolling with me being an equipment manager. And 23 years later, here I am. Wow, 23 years. <laughs> so how long were you in Toledo? I was in Toledo for two and a half years. They brought me in at the end of uh, 96 season 
And then uh, I was there for two years after that. And then I ended up, Toledo actually uh, tore that building down and took like a, uh, I think it was like a two-year hiatus where I ended up uh, finding out that the job in Idaho was open. So then um, Dennis knew uh, John Oliver and then kind of made that whole connection there. And I flew out for an interview in 2000 and, you know, uh, just been here ever since. Yeah. Yeah, you've been a mainstay there, I think. Um, are you the longest tenured equipment manager around? Do you know? In the ECHO, at least? Uh, that I don't know. I think that – I'm not 100% sure. I know that guy in Fort Wayne's been there a long time, but they haven't been in the ECHL forever. And the guy who took my place in Toledo, he's still there. So that I, that I don't know. I mean, I'm, I know I'm maybe top three – and you've got, like, Boise's such a cool place. Like, the city's amazing, yeah. and then the Idaho Steelheads are amazing. Like, the great ownership, great, like, the facilities you guys have are great. Well, not for the visiting team. You get stuffed in the little, <laughs> the little locker room. But everything else there is pretty awesome. And because uh, I know, like, all the other guys, that uh, the other equipment managers we've talked to, they're always looking to go to the AHL, and I know you've had opportunities. Is there, I mean, you just found your niche and you've just been happy there? Or? Yeah, I've never really wanted to. I've been to a lot of cities in this country, and I've had a lot of opportunities to move up, and I just, for me, it's, you know, the way of living. We fly to every game. Um, I have very little bus. I yeah, mean, we, just we Utah. Bus, uh, Boise. Yeah, just to Utah. Even when we're on the road and we go city to city, I'm always in a rental car. So there's eliminates the bus, and then we, you know, obviously fly home. So, you know, I just uh, Boise's treated me nice, and I, I, you know, I can't complain. And I just bought a home here, so I just, uh, I just keep coming back. Yeah, you know, let me go. Definitely something to be said about that. You know, have a place, your home. You know, work from home. Right. So I mean, you know, I wouldn't want to. Yeah. Yeah. You've been there through some crazy stuff, and I've I've seen some of the, you know, even just some of the times that I've been there, because I used to go there a lot more. You guys used to call me all the time to be the, the e-bug in Boise and fly me out there, and that was always made me feel pretty cool. But <laughs> you guys have had some crazy experiences there. When you think back to your times there, the championships and the weird fights and all the players that have came through there, what kind of memories stand out for you? Well... I mean, back in the days, the early days were the better days. Um, I mean, I was going to say the better days. Just the, the camaraderie was a little different because we didn't have cell phones or texting, and, and there was no um, supplements like you see in the locker rooms now. It's more, you know, they do so much now, and they didn't do before. So the camaraderie back then, I think, was just a little bit um, more personal. Yeah. Instead of just sitting on a cell phone and texting your buddy across the hallway, there, you know, it's just, um, <laughs> you know, these kids now they don't, you know, they just do a lot more to move up to the next level. Where back in the days, that just that never happened. You know, it just never really. Obviously, they went up and down, but it was just different times, and I think those times were a little bit more exciting. Yeah. For me, at least, I mean, that, and we were also going to all the California teams in warm places where we don't anymore. Yeah. Um, so, what do you remember? Bummer. Yeah, that's gonna suck <laughs> now because all the California teams are AHL. There was tons of rumors about you guys going to the AHL, but it sounds like uh, 
that's not going to happen for Idaho or maybe even Utah. Yeah, I've heard about that. I've, I mean, I know. I think some. Um, I think some GMs from other uh, HL teams have gone through here to look at the facility. I know we're really small. That's. I don't know if that's maybe one issue that I was told, but. You know, other than that, I, I, I just I don't keep up with that stuff too much anymore. No. Um, do my thing and get out of there. All right. So, so. like, I, 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 have a few, I have a few memories uh, going back to the Idaho days. And tell me, do you remember one of the times, I, I'm, I'm 90% sure it was you. It might have been the year before, but uh, no, it was definitely you. Because a goalie came out of the, the tunnel one night and got knocked out cold by running into the the mascot? Yeah, that was uh, that was Blair Allison. Oh, it was Blair. <laughs> that was Blair. That was, after, that was after the national anthem, and Blair was skating backwards to the net, and the uh, mascot had fallen or something in his path, and he <sighs> fell back and hit his head and gave him a concussion <laughs> right before the game. So that was uh, that was kind of that was I guess you could say that was memorable for sure. I remember getting the phone call from from you or from Jo, and they're like, "Hey, we need you here right now." And uh, I'm like, "Okay, I can make it." Like, I can't remember what happened. You guys flew me out there, and then somebody—it might have been you—picked me up in the like equipment truck from the airport. Sure, right. And I'm getting dressed. I'm getting completely dressed in the back of the truck in <laughs> route right, to the rink. Right. And I'm like, I don't have skate guards. I don't. I'm not ten, so I don't have like, I don't have skate guards you can walk on. So I remember somebody brought like a cart and wheeled me from, they pulled me into the back of the rink, wheeled me into the locker room. It was unreal. Right. Blair, man, yeah. that was yeah. that kid. Blair Allison was probably one of the best goalies that I ever got to to. Back well, up. I mean, he was he was okay. I mean, he, <laughs> I'll never forget the time. You know, we were um, we were down in Phoenix, and we had like uh, five days off to get to Bakersfield, and we didn't in, we didn't go home. We just stayed down there. Guys were golfing and whatnot. We ended up going to Palm Springs for three days, and then we get into Bakersfield. We outshot him fifty four to twelve, and we lost. Six to one. Oh, what? <laughs> I'll never forget that. I'll Whoops. never ever forget that. I remember we took a long vacation to Palm Springs. It was just destroyed Bakersfield, and they ended up beating us six one. And they only had like twelve shots on net. Wow! And we always thought them fifty. It was like fifty four something. So, <laughs> so that was kind of a memorable game. I'll never forget. Yeah, but I didn't get to finish my thought on Blair because it'll go. It'll go perfectly with what you're going to say. Blair was one of the best goalies I ever got to back up, like pure talent-wise. And like, keep in mind, he's a two-time NCAA national champion. And like, I think he was one of the top goalies in the NCAA at the time. And I remember sitting with him the first year we had a training camp in um, McCall. And we're sitting back and he goes, you know, Jay, I could have been somebody. And I'm like, what? And he goes, I just never cared about conditioning. And he goes, I I love jelly donuts. He's literally sitting there. He's like, he's like, we ran the show today, like goaltender wise. We ran the show today. He goes, but as camp gets harder, I'm gonna care less. And I was just looking at him, going like, because I remember watching him on TV. Because like I was in junior college, and he was playing for Maine, and like he was the he was the name, right? All those well, all those guys you had when you guys won those national championships were all Maine Black Bears. 
And right, right. And man, they it, Blair just blew my mind that day because you know I'd been with all these other goalies that were just driven, and yeah, we're not, right. and we're not as good as Blair. And so, and then to sum up your <laughs> to sum it up, you guys had the um, reunion game of your championship team, and Blair pulled a chair. You were there for this, right? Yeah, he couldn't sit. He couldn't stand up. Uh, he couldn't crunch down anymore, so he had to have a, a metal chair in, in the net. <laughs> so he's in full gear sitting in a chair during a game. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. I ought to try that. <laughs> I love Blair, man. He's Blair is yeah. a, he is just a character, and uh, he's a big shot real estate agent out there now, isn't he? Yeah, I believe he's doing something like that around here. I haven't talked to him in uh, quite a while, um, so I, I think he, that, that's what he's doing in real estate. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. I've got a story about Zinn and Kanapka. Um, and I think it was in Idaho. No, it might have been because he played both. Because that was so when the U- when Utah was in the A, and uh, I think I was backing up a game where uh, a guy had hit one of our better players, and the coach looked at Kanapka and was like, "Go, go take care of this." And so Zinnin goes out there, and then the the guy's like, "I'm not fighting you." And he goes, "Look, the coach told me we're fighting, so we're fighting." <laughs> and the guy's like, "I I, I don't fight." Like he doesn't ha- he doesn't speak English. Like this is a Swedish player or something that, you know. And and Galbraith said or not or Zinnin's like, look, the coach said we're fighting, and we're fighting. Like you can be a participant or you can be a victim. <laughs> yeah. And so they right out of the face up, man. Kanapka dropped the gloves and went with the guy, and the guy just did not like. He just got pummeled. Yeah, but he yeah. did not a fighter. He was right. right. But he had his warning. <laughs> He's like, we're fighting. Yeah. You can get off the ice now. But we're fighting because you took a shot at. I, it was like one of the premier players in the. I think it was the Coyotes front, the farm club at the time. Oh, so it was because most times if it's a if it's a European or whatever and they don't fight, people aren't going to fight them. But right. Zenon was right. just. He's like, I'm fighting you no matter what. Good times. So are you like the most? Uh, yeah, good good times. Yep. So would you be? Uh, would we, you? Uh, yep. I was going to say, would you label yourself like the most important guy in in the locker room? Or the, on the team? Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, you know, I, <laughs> I mean, I just glue things together. I mean, we just keep the glue together. That's all we do with the equipment guys. You know, picking up are the first ones there. They're the last ones to leave. They get all the crap jobs because everybody's like, "Hey, well," and even me, I'm there for like a day or two days, and I'm like, "Hey, I need my skate sharpener, and I need them exactly right, and they need to be exactly flat." And luckily, there's guys like you that I mean, you were. 
such a professional that you you were kind of the, the bar that I held all the other equipment guys to. Because the, the guy that was there before you <laughs> was decent. But when you came in, I'd be – and I'm – again, I, I, I know my role is just to sit the bench and fill the requirement that they have two goalies on the bench because somebody else is sick or somebody else is in the NHL or AHL or whatever. So I know I'm not a big deal. But at the same time, I know that there's a, a 2% chance that my dumb butt is going to be put in that game. <laughs> and I don't want to suck worse than I'd suck anyway. I don't want anything like a, right. bad edges. So <laughs> – Equipment guys, they are like, I, I need things fixed or I break. All we do is pick up the pieces. Yeah, picking up the pieces, and we go through like, glue it. yeah, it's glue them back together, and it's amazing. And I've seen, and I'm like, I'm a tenth of the neurotic goaltender that have come through because you were there when Mike Smith was there. Uh, Smitty. And it's, uh, who, who, who are you talking about again? So Mike, Mike Smith was there when you were there. He's, he's super neurotic as a goaltender. I'm just trying to think of the other goaltenders that have came through there that probably kept you on your toes pretty good. Wait. Yeah, you know, Silverthorne and Ellis and uh, oh, the list goes on. I mean, there's so many guys. You guys got to remember, you know, after 23 years, and I don't work year-round down there, the, the times and the players' names just – just go so fast. Yeah. I mean, just go so fast. You know, some people, I've had some players come up to me, hey, such and such says hi. I'm like, uh, okay, I kind of remember. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's been so many years, and the years just pile up, and you get, you know, 40 to 45 names every year for, yeah. for you know, 23 years, you know. Yeah, it's the same with coaching, because, I mean, there is a core group that I kept with me. Because I coached for 17, 18 years, and then I ran hockey camp every summer. My hockey camp has two to 300 kids in it, and I tried to get to know all of them. But, man, over, over the years, 20 years, you're like, I don't remember everybody. Plus, they grow up, and they change, and they become different right. people, and you just don't recognize them anymore. And it, then you feel like a jerk because yeah. you don't. Right. All right, Beast. I, yeah. I, I want to no, talk. It's, uh, it's all good. I want to talk about your uh, – at some point during your – uh, the last few years, you found a little niche, and I, I think it's I think it's so awesome. This, you, yeah, you so invented I, uh, a product. I got right. I got I got tired of our, our players' mouth guards being disgustingly dirty, and it, it was just it was just gross. And these guys are getting sore throats and, and getting sick. And I couldn't figure out for the life of me why there wasn't a product out there that cleans and stores mouth guards in a sealed case in an environment. You know, something that needs to be sealed with your, you know, some mouthwash. Yeah. So I looked everywhere. I, I ended up going to Boise State for a little entrepreneurship thing. Um, and, I, and I ended up making a couple prototypes. Um, I bought a couple injection molds in the U.S. And I really wasn't that great. I, I went all over the country looking for a injection mold that would do. Um, that's also, you know, does injection molding, but has to be a rubber intruder for the seals. You just couldn't get it done. So I was doing it all myself for the first year, <clears throat> and then I just I couldn't keep up. Started selling them all, and I ended up going overseas where I got it done better. And um, now I'm just uh, we're, we're doing quite well with it. It's called My Guard Wash, and it's a 
small uh, case that cleans and stores. We have an approved TSA surveillance line. You put your favorite mouthwash in there. You put your retainer, your night guard, your mouth guard. The lid swivels out. Easy to get, easy access. And it's great. Um, over the last couple of years, I've got the perfect test market. <clears throat> All right? I've got 20 kids. Yeah. I've every game. I've tested these things through, uh, you know how those TSA guys treat your bags. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> over the years, I've done a lot of testing, and we've came up with the final design. And, um, yeah, we're just selling every day. We're on Amazon and uh, myguardwash.com. Yeah, it's awesome, and it's so. And and I've bought a few of them from you, and I've got like my daughter uses them for her uh, retainer. We learned the hard way because my at <laughs> the first time we I used it, my daughter put her uh, uh, Invisalign in it, and she soaked it in a blue mouthwash. That was a bad idea because then the Invisalign was blue. So we, <laughs> we learned. Yeah, we, we learned on that not to do that. But she has like. Uh, all the kids that I coached for a while had those too, so they're they're perfect. And like you're saying, this, yeah. your lid is attached to a strainer, so you unscrew this thing and you pull, you lift up the lid, and your guard, your mouth guard, or your retainer or whatever comes out of the. You don't have to stick your fingers in the mouthwash no, and make it all dirty. No. You just grab it, and uh, yeah. yeah, it's a great product, man. I I just thought it was awesome that you had invented it and got it out there, and and that's cool. That's I, I guess you're going to be that. Uh, that millionaire. You remember what's that? Uh, <laughs> there was that movie with Tom Cruise where he was trying to be the next guy that invented the um, the umbrella that went in your drink because whoever that guy was made billions off the little stupid umbrellas. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can't remember what that movie yeah. was called where he was the bartender. Yeah. Anyway, but right. it's, when when yeah. people when people yeah. invent stuff like that, I'm like, oh man, that could be the next thing. And when totally. I when I saw that you had done that, I thought, man, this will catch on. This could be something because every athlete, and as a as a as a father, I was like, man. You watch you watch guys on the bench and these young guys you're coaching where they're required to wear mouth guards and you watch guys on the bench spitting on the floor <laughs> and you know they're hocking up whatever and right. they're sick and then they spit and then they drop their mouth mouth guard or somebody else drops their mouth guard just picks it up and I'm like all right that was gross yeah you know and it happens all the time it happens like 20 times yeah. a game for yeah. these kids that have to wear mouth guards We've just, uh, we're all just, we have zero marketing. We've all been word of mouth. We've, we've got like the St. Louis Blues. We've got the Orlando Magic. You know, we've got the Dallas Stars. Um, we've got Blake Baguette, top motocross rider in the country. Um, we've got the Dallas Mavericks. Um, we've got probably 20 minor league and college teams. Uh, we just did one trade show. Uh, we finally got in with Colin Sports Medicine. And uh, just the various uh, minor league teams around um, Canada and the U.S. And we're, we're just, you know, have a little warehouse in Boise, and I'm just uh, shipping them out every day. Well, that's awesome. That's fantastic. How, did, <laughs> did, did you hear that? They're all marketing. I'm just trying to, trying to grow it. I'm not <laughs> spending a lot of money on marketing right now. Yeah, I mean, sure. Have you done the Minnesota High School show? No, you know what? That's coming up. That's during hockey season, so I'm not able to get out. Um, and that's something that I might look at for 21. Yeah, send a minion. Send, I was thinking send, about. One of your, send one of your guys. Pay some kid a couple hundred bucks to go out there and hand those. Or send sell those. Right. Yeah, send my son out. <laughs> he's right, got right. to so, pay for college. <laughs> we, uh, we might do that. And we just got a warehouse in Toronto. We have Matt Martin running our warehouse in Toronto. Oh. 
and he's just crushing it up there. He he's doing so good. He's selling. I think he's probably selling at least twenty to thirty a day. Wow, up there. He's awesome. going to tournaments and you know because he played for the Leafs. Yeah. He played on the USA Olympic team. He was on that team, the main uh, Black Bears, back in the day with Cal. So he knows, um, you know, a lot of people in the hockey world up there. So he's doing quite well with that. So yeah, we're we're doing we're doing good. It's just um, it's a good product, and it's you know good for the, the moms and moms and dentists are our number one target. Yeah, I bet they love it. Well, man, that's awesome, and uh, I just. I wanted to get you on and talk to you about your, uh, you know, your story because you've always been such a, a great guy, and and Utah fans know who you are because you're you're here a lot. You've been yeah. a, you've been a mainstay, yeah. and uh, I know some of them sit behind you and yell mean things to you, but the rest of us appreciate what you oh, yeah. what you do, and we're uh, right. Yeah, we're, we're fans of yours, and we're we're hoping your product does well, and we're you know we want your team to come in right behind the Utah Grizzlies, and <laughs> so <laughs> well. Uh, I can't, that might not happen. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, any, uh, uh, all right, Jay. I, I just wanted to thank you again for being on the show, and uh, good luck the rest of the season. Yeah, okay. thank you. Yeah, thanks for being on. It was great hearing uh, your story. Yep. And uh, we'll see you here yeah, in town shortly. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, that was the Utah Puck Report. Thank you so much for listening. The Utah Puck Report is a kslsports.com podcast. And uh, if you haven't subscribed yet, then you can. All you got to do is text the word puck to 57500. And you can also uh, catch us online, too, at kslsports.com and right there at the Arrow website, 1035thearrow.com. That's awesome. And uh, we want to thank Josh Tilton, our producer. He's the one that keeps us in line, keeps the things rolling. And he doesn't roll tape, as you would say. He does not. But uh, he does he does produce the show in all the digital ways. So once again, thank you so much for listening to the Utah Puck Report. Yeah,